Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Metropolis to the tomb of Archimedes and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, up and away, Steve? Wow. Wow. Bravo. Like that? That just came to me as I said it. Just came to me. Uh, you miss so we missed the what's up danger for uh for Spider-Man for across the Spider-Verse, Spider-verse but we got I that one so what's up danger. I think yeah. uh I think I think you're you're rolling in it, man. Um, I might just do that now every time every time we're kicking things off with a Superman thing, uh, maybe I'll there try you go. And do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so now we've got we've got two lead-ins and as soon as you two hear lead-ins. them, you'll know exactly what we're no. talking about first. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we've got a good amount of DC stuff for you tonight. We've got, um, I, over this past uh, weekend, saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Steve has not seen it, so we're not going to do a uh, full spoiler reaction, but I am going to give my spoiler-free uh, review and uh, reaction to it a little bit later. We're talking um, trailer for Dune Part 2, some Fantastic Four shakeups, some comics news, as always. But we're going to kick things off. We'll be a very short update on the strike. Writers Guild, a strike still uh, going on, still in full force. No movement there. Um, the Screen Actors Guild um, negotiations were supposed to expire on Friday, June 30th at midnight. And those negoti- negotiations have been extended now uh, through July 12th. So midnight, July 12th um, is when we'll find out whether or not the Screen Actors Guild will be joining the Writers Guild in a strike. So, got to wait a little bit over a week, a little more than a week, a week and a half or so, to find that out. Um, But that's that. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if extending it, I don't know if that means negotiations are going well or they're going poorly. Maybe both. Don't really know. No, No idea. Like, is it... Like, we're going good. We got a lot. We've agreed to a lot of stuff. We just have a couple more sticking points. Let's just extend it about another week and a half and see what we can do. Or is it like, this isn't working, but we really, we don't want you guys to strike. But, you know, let's just give it some more time and see what we, you know. Right. Is it know, a last you know. ditch? Like, hey, let's push this off one more time and see. Yeah. Or we're really close. No need to strike. Let's just keep talking. You know. Right. Who knows? Because if that we'll happens everything under the sun will be at a screeching everything home. everything yep wild it's hard enough to do things without people it'll... writing it's its own animal oh to God. do it without people acting yeah. <laughs> i know for sure um uh moving into some proper news and this was probably the biggest uh piece of news that happened this past week 100 i'm sure if you're running in these circles you definitely heard this but Superman Legacy has found its leads. Those leads are cast as Clark Kent Superman, David Cornsweet, with Rachel Brosnahan as his Lois Lane. I very excited about both of these choices. I've seen David Cornsweet in exactly one thing, and I barely remember his performance. That's one thing more than I have. Yeah, but... um. 
I know a few people that have seen that same performance and have said that as soon as they saw him, thought that guy should play Superman. So here he is. He's playing Superman. A friend of mine texted me as soon as he read the news saying that exact thing. He's like, yeah, I saw him in Pearl and I thought he should be Superman. Like, well, you got your wish, buddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Rachel Brosnahan, I just love. Um, as soon as I heard her name uh, attached to Lois Lane... I thought immediately, oh, she's somebody that was born to play this role. I, I feel, you know, there's certain castings in um, superhero movies that are, you know, that will say people say are perfect. People point to Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, obviously from right. um, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Uh, you know, these people were born to play these roles. Right. People, I mean, people point to Robert Downey Jr. playing himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, we're two years away from this movie coming out, but, I mean, based on her performance in Marvelous Miss Maisel, it's pretty easy to say that she seems like she may have been born to play Lois Lane. Yeah. So, um, very, very excited about her. It, w- it was said that she gave the best audition out of anybody Um from both people, from men and women, looking for Clark, looking for Lois. She, her her audition was far and beyond the best. I guess screen tests took place over a few days past week when all actors that were in consideration tested in person before James Gunn and Peter Safran in full costume and in full makeup. That includes, yes, the men were dressed in the full Superman costume for the screen tests. Um, and we just talked about last week how the rumor was that they were going to find, they were probably going to have their people found by the end of the week, but they were going to hold off the announcement until Comic-Con. Why did they not wait for Comic-Con? Apparently these actors had signed testing deals. I don't know what that means. I think apparently something you have to do, I guess, when you're testing for a role. And those testing deals expired after two weeks, and so they wanted to uh, break the news before those deals expired and before any possibility of a Screen Actors Guild strike. This is before we knew that the deadline was getting extended. That was just talked about. So um, they wanted to get this stuff out of the way. And it turns out, um, just to jump a story, it turns out that DC Studios will not be attending San Diego Comic-Con. Um, in response to a fan question on Instagram, James Gunn said that they would not be there this year probably going to be there next year although both dc comics and marvel comics will have panels and booths and a presence at san diego comic-con just not the film studios for marvel and dc bring the comics back to comic-con like yeah what a crazy crazy idea <laughs> unheard of unheard of um so anyway that's why they had to break the news before possibility of screen actor strike and i guess whatever these testing deals are you know they had to be uh, done before that. So apparently next up, next casting we're going to hear for Superman Legacy is probably Lex Luthor, um, possibly Jimmy Olsen. Uh, James Gunn has talked about Jimmy Olsen being in the script. And uh, Perry White. Now there's rumors. Nicholas Holt, the character, um, uh, sorry, was rumored to be in the running for Superman, testing for Superman. Uh, but there's also rumors that uh, they just had him come in to act against these other actors because they were looking at him for Lex Luthor. And there was talk that he actually removed himself from uh, consideration for Lex Luthor to focus on being cast as Superman. But like, 
you know, if someone's saying, hey, we want you to be Lex Luthor in the new Superman franchise, like, why would you say no to that? <laughs> like, right. do it. You should do that. Um, if you've got a seat at the table for any of these roles, take them. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also, I just heard this rumor on the uh, the Hot Mike podcast with Jeff Snyder and John Roca that Nicholas Holt possibly either in consideration for Lex Luthor or in consideration for the DCU's Bruce Wayne, Batman. We know that Nicholas Holt was in the in the he was a finalist to be Batman in the Batman and lost out to Robert Pattinson. Um, are they still keeping him around because they're looking at him as the DCU Batman? I don't know. Hmm. Could be, but I don't know. I kind of want. I I prefer the DCU Batman to be to look more diff to just be kind of different. He I don't Nicholas Holt and Robert Pattinson, not super dissimilar looking people or actors you know like one's the less broody version of the other yeah and throw glasses exactly. on. and i mean i certainly i want and i believe that the dcu's batman um is going to be less broody and less dark than the robert pattinson matt reeves version of the character just because you have to differentiate the Mike, franchises you're saying this as if it could be more brooding and dark than Pattinson's <laughs> batman <laughs> The the next step is him slitting his I wrists just, on screen. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the only direction he can go that way. I will mind you the end of that movie ended on a positive him learning <laughs> that he can be a beacon of hope for like people. True. City, okay, so. I'll give you that. Okay. But like the first Absolutely. three quarters of that movie. <laughs> oh yeah. But I will also remind you that movie rules. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> <That movie rules. laughs> I just started rewatching it the other night and I was like, why don't I watch this every day? This movie is so good. <laughs> I love it so much. It's great. Um, anyway, interesting there. I would, I, again, I, I would like the DCU Batman just to be like different some way. Yeah. Um, you know, I assume they're going with a white dude. Um, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like Bruce Wayne has to be white. And I don't think Batman has to be white, but I think Bruce Wayne has to be white. And before you start thinking that I'm a horrible racist person, I will defend that by saying the following. Bruce Wayne as a character is soaked in white privilege. He is a billionaire and he's not like a new, he's not a new money, right. like tech billionaire. His money comes family money. He's come from old money. And the only old money billionaires are white people. Because, you know. America has a really shitty past. Because Amer <laughs> America, exactly. We know. Where it's, yeah, because America. Um, no black person was afforded the opportunities to be an old money billionaire uh, at all. So I think the I think white privilege is steeped in the character of Bruce Wayne and therefore he should be white. Any almost any other character in the Batman mythos could be any race ever. So other than Bruce Wayne being a white dude, I would like the Batman of the DCU to be somewhat different to separate himself from Robert Pattinson. I think they probably know that James Gunn is smart enough to know 
they have they're gonna have two Batman going at the same time. You got to switch it up somehow. Well, I guess anyway, along those a, lines, do they? You know, but if we're going down that rabbit hole, do you go with Bruce Wayne, or do you do you go complete curveball and go Tim Fox? Uh, wow. That would be a curveball. That would be a curveball. Complete 180. Yeah. Um, and very unexpected and very James Gunny. It would be. And I mean, I will say, I don't think they're going to do this. But they keep saying this Brave and the Bold movie is based on uh, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin run. And in that run, this part people don't say, <laughs> in that run... Bruce Wayne is not Batman. In that run, Dick Grayson is Batman. In that run. Did not know that. I learned yeah, something today. I know. Because no one talks about that part. They're like, oh, it's based on Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin one. Yeah, while Bruce Wayne was quote unquote dead and Dick had to step up and be Batman. So huh. Okay. That would be a shock. I can't imagine that they would do that. Having never made having uh having one live action Robin ever. Having it be the only live action, uh, I can't say the only Dick Grayson because of the Titan show. But in like films, we've gotten one live action Robin, got one live action Wait, Nightwing. Chris O'Donnell on, on is Titan the show. only live action Robin we've ever gotten in a film. Really? Well, sorry. Burt Ward played Robin uh, well, in yeah. Batman the movie opposite Adam West. <laughs> so, so modern two. Batman. <laughs> So in 85 years, yes, we've gotten two theatrical live action Robins and they were decades apart. And the last one was in 1997 and we haven't right. seen one since. Yeah. So. Huh. Right. And but we did I, get a Jason guess... and a, we got a Jason and a Tim on Titan. Also. Right. So we got two Robins there and a Nightwing. But anyway. Anyway, I don't think I don't think the Batman of Brave and the Bold is going to be Dick Grayson. I think that they are going to hmm. do Bruce Wayne. And no, but I'm I, now intrigued. They, like, uh, also Adam uh, said it, so go for it. Uh, apparently, uh, I say intrigued way too much. So oh, yeah. that's that's one of our <laughs> friends' uh, cues for a drinking game. <laughs> um, but yeah. Doing Grayson, doing any of the alternate Batmans would be, yeah, a, it'd be a wild, a wild swing. swing, a wild swing. But like, and the amount that the amount that James Gunn has talked about how much he loves Nightwing as a character, yeah, I can't imagine that they're gonna they're they're gonna that use they Nightwing. Waste they're not gonna use Dick, Dick Grayson on, as Batman. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Nightwing is such a good character, so good. So I'm glad. Yeah, I hope that they're doing that. And that's bums me out. Speaking of that. Um, jumping back to the San Diego Comic-Con thing for a second, like it bums me out that DC's not going to Comic-Con just because I really felt like like James Gunn has only announced half of their slate for DC, for their chapter one of the DC slate. What better way to announce the other 50% than at San Diego Comic-Con? But whatever, not doing it this year. Um, the other... Uh, the other rumors that uh, were reported on the uh, the Hot Mike podcast um, about casting for Superman Legacy uh, were for the character of Perry White. Two names apparently are being ru- rumored. So grain of salt. This is grain of salt stuff. Rumored 
for the role of Perry White, Michael Rooker, who is in every James Gunn movie ever. Uh, also, maybe someone said that he might be in consideration for Pa Kent. I don't know that Rooker is like. No, I could see him definitely more as Perry. He's more Perry than he's. He doesn't have like the southern charm wholesomeness. No, you know what I mean, like the loving. He's got the Kent that the not yeah. quite J. Jonah Jameson thing going on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the other person apparently being rumored for Perry White, Brendan Fraser. Hmm. Huh. They owe him something after canceling Batgirl. True. They owe him something. Uh, I don't know. God, I be... love Brendan Fraser. I don't know if I love him as Perry White. I think he would. I think he would do good if he was cast. I think he would be good. Yeah. But I, I don't know almost, what I would prefer uh, to see him as. But I feel like I'd prefer to see him as something. Yeah, I would almost prefer if it was the, uh, the choice between the two. I'd almost prefer Rooker as uh, White. As Perry White. But, yeah. Oh. I mean, I mean, honestly, I would love. To, for them to not cancel Doom Patrol and have Brendan Fraser right. keep being Robot Man on Doom Patrol, but that's too late. They are He's absolutely so. slated as, like, that so was good. amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, cool choices. And who knows when we'll hear about those castings, if the strikes affect... I don't know, does screen, does screen actors going on strike, does that affect whether or not they can screen test for things or audition for things it probably does right probably i assume so that's part of the job yeah it's got to be part of it all right um ah, american federation of television and radio artists i always wondered after. what the after was yeah me too i knew it was the tv up. part and i had no idea like what because they merged and yeah now yeah. i know all right now you know now the world knows steve thanks yes. to you you've uncovered it <laughs> um uh, speaking of DC Comics, I'm excited about this. Um, Max, not HBO Max. Don't don't even think about calling it HBO Max. It's not called that anymore. It's called Max. All right. Okay. Max has announced a new documentary on uh, on DC called Superpowered: The DC Story. It is a three part docu series about the origins, legacy, and influence of DC uh, through from comics to TV to movies. Uh, features interviews with comic creators like Jim Lee, Mark Wade, John Ridley, Paul uh, Levitz. Sorry, I don't know why I stumbled over that name. It's a very easy name to say. <laughs> I was going to say, um, you've, you've had some trouble with a lot of names on this podcast. That was not one of them that you should not one of them. <laughs> I think it's because I said Ridley, and then for some reason I questioned whether or not I said it right. And mm. so I was reading Ridley while I had already said Paul. And so that's, anyway, that's a whole weird brain thing. Um, Barbara Freelander and Phil Jimenez. Also, um, a lot of people from the TV or film side of things, including James Gunn himself, Patty Jenkins, Dwayne Johnson, Damon Lindelof, Michael Uslin. Um, and uh, this is a three-part documentary series that premieres on July 20th on Max. Um, you gotta think that both Patty Jenkins and Dwayne Johnson filmed their parts for this documentary uh, before the last few months <laughs> i gotta say <laughs> yeah yeah this one might have been you know yeah just coming off of 84 and just coming off of uh black adam and well just coming out of being told they weren't going to move forward with your wonder woman 3 <laughs> right script yeah and being told we're not going to do any black adam stuff and 
you're the reason that everyone got excited that Henry Cavill came back and then got not coming is not yeah. coming back anymore. Um, pretty sure they would not have sat down to sing the praises of DC um, recently <laughs> within the last six months or so. Um, uh, this is a uh, I'm very excited for this because I like documentaries um, in general and documentary like this about something that I love I feel like it's going to be cool and I like that for, when there's a trailer you can watch the trailer for it um, and the trailer led off with I think James Gunn and Patty Jenkins and a lot of these like film producer people and I was like okay if they don't have comic people in this <laughs> I'm going to be furious and I was like <laughs> oh Mark Wade oh John Ridley okay we're okay they're covering their bases here for sure oh, Jim this, Lee, this Jim Lee guy oh weird yeah, yeah. Um, so that'd be cool Real quick, I mentioned the name Michael Uslin. Steve, do you know who Michael Uslin is? I the name rings a bell, but not a loud one. I'm going to tell this story because I just heard it recently on a podcast, and I was not aware of it. I knew this guy's name because he's a producer on like every Batman movie. Um, and I was like, okay, he just clearly is like a Hollywood producer guy who you know first Tim Burton one, and he just keeps coming back because he knows the character or whatever, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he got involved. This is how he got involved. Okay, so Michael Uslin, when he was in college a long time ago, I don't know how old he is, but he's a lot older than you and me. 72. Wow. Even older than I expected. Anyway, um, he was a big fan of comics, and he got, uh, he like pushed his like uh, literary professor or something so hard on comic books that they created a, a class on like modern comic books. Like he like convinced the people at the college and his professors that like, no, this is a legitimate medium. Like, look what they're doing. Look at Dark Knight Returns or look at this or whatever. Like this is like real political stuff and there should be a class on this. So whatever school it was at, you know, gets the, gets the class. And it, like it's a story that, you know, shows up in, you know, uh, you know, magazines and paper like isn't this like cool this kid put loves comics so much that now they're teaching us class at you know nyu or whatever college i don't remember what college indiana, Uni indiana university school of law indiana. in bloomington thanks thanks steve thanks right wikipedia <laughs> yeah um so anyway because of that he ends up working yeah, i'm sure it's a long story short because of that uh class and the notoriety he gained from that he ends up working at dc comics he thinks he ends up writing a couple books the whole time he's working at DC, he starts pushing the higher ups. This is probably in like the late seventies, early eighties. He starts pushing the highly ups, higher ups. We got to make a Batman movie like Superman, Christopher Reeve, huge success. We need to make a Batman movie and not an Adam West Batman movie. We need to make a real for real. Take it seriously. Batman film. And he, this is insane to think this now. He's like the only one pushing that he worked. He's the only one at DC comics pushing to make a movie. So, he goes out and he gets like an investor or something. It was like a wealthy friend of his family or something. He's got some money. Using this promise of this investor and like a producing partner that he has, he convinces DC to license the rights for Batman in a theatrical sense to him. This guy, Michael Uslin owns the theatrical rights to Batman as a character. And his company is called like the Batman film production company or something like that. Like 
It, it's insane. That's crazy. So this guy is a producer on every single live action Batman movie. It doesn't matter who the director is or what the friend, what, you know, Robert Pattinson versus George Clooney versus Michael Keaton versus Val Kilmer versus Christian Bale. This guy gets money from every single one of those movies because he started the Batman film studio or whatever. And so technically DC licenses Batman to this guy and his studio to make Batman movies. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You want to know uh, You want to know something else crazy? Yeah, I do. He uh, got his start at DC film production working on Swamp Thing and the return of Swamp Thing. Oh, nice. And then won a daytime Emmy for Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and what also, a guy. I love this guy. Also created, and this is a throwback. I don't know if you'll remember it. Dino Saucers, the '80s nope. cartoon. <laughs> oh, it was great. I don't it, think it was. So. It was horribly amazing. Um, I had you had me up until Dino saw you had me, and then you added <laughs> that serves at the end, and you lost me. Yep, uh, and was an executive producer on National Treasure. So we'll get you back for that. Oh, okay. So not just Batman movie. No, mostly Batman movies. He's producing. Yeah, all of the um, Batman-ness, but also some other smatterings. That's just crazy to me that one dude just, he's like the funnel for all Batman yeah. <laughs> theatrical content. It's crazy. He, he also won an inkpot in 2012. Oh, well, that makes sense. So, sure. Yeah. Cool. Think about how much he's done for yeah. comics and whatever in general. Um, very last DC story. Uh, for the night, um, just today, Warner Brothers Japan announced a Suicide Squad anime series called Suicide Squad Isekai. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm not sure. Sure. Suicide Squad Isekai features Harley Quinn, Amanda Waller, and the Joker and others in, quote, an epic and violent fantasy where crazy villains go on a rampage in Isekai. It's nothing more, nothing less, and it can't be anything else. I like that tagline. That's and a very the, like Silver Age yeah. uh, tagline. <laughs> and the trailer lives up to it. Yeah, it does. It's a wild trailer. Uh, it's pretty short, but and there's no dialogue, but um, it's definitely in that anime style. Um, can't tell if Harley and Joker are made to be, if this is like an origin story for their relationship or it's a revenge thing. I can't, you know. Um, just one real quick shot of Amanda Waller. I didn't really see any other characters that I recognized. Um, it's being directed by Eric Osada and written by Tapeaki and Iji Umara. Umahara. Um, isekai apparently is a Japanese word that means another world. And it's looked on as a, a genre, its own genre in the world of anime. And apparently has become a very popular one recently. So um, people are very excited about. So it's basically a suicide squad. It takes place in like another world where, you know, you don't have to abide by the laws of Right. Comics continuity or movie continuity or anything that and you can just do whatever you want. So hey. um so that's cool. So yeah, fans of anime, check it out. It looks good. Yeah. You know, I'm not uh like a you know, you and I have talked about we're not huge anime fans, but you know, we like what we see kind of when we see it often. Right. It's and, the uh, I don't know. It, yeah, using what what was it, the the Supreme Court's definition of pornography, you know it when you see it. 
Like, you know it when you see it. Exactly. I, yeah, yeah. If I enjoy anime, I know it when I see it. Like, I'm not going to exactly. go out of my way to watch it, but like stuff in that art style, if it's compelling, I'm all for yeah. it. About for sure. 50-ish percent of Star Wars Visions was great. Yeah, I still am working my way through that. Taking me a while. Because I think, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm at the end of season one still. And I okay. really want to get to season two because season two looked great. Have you seen season, season two? The What I've seen of season two has been better than season one. All right. And I enjoyed a good half of season one. So Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not, not enjoying it. Oh, no. Just sometimes they're like slow. It, moving, you know what? But. It reminds me a lot of the Clone Wars where the highs were really high and the lows were really low. Yeah, sure. Classic Star Wars content right there. It, yeah, That's literally Star any Wars Star Wars content. Board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Speaking of Lucasfilm. <laughs> um, speaking of high highs and low lows. Yeah, I was going to say uh, it works for this franchise, too. <laughs> it does. I saw a movie called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I went on Thursday night with my mom. It was great. That's um, awesome. I, she hadn't been to a theater, I think, since before COVID. She was very excited. Um, I thought you were going to say since the last Indiana Jones movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she that just sour. The last Indiana Jones movie. Oh, okay. So well, there are a couple of references. To. There are a couple of references to it. I had to be like, okay, well, this one. <laughs> That's what they're talking. Sounds like the last time I went to the movie with my uh, five-year-old, where I had to do that about everything. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Verse. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, buddy. Here's how this happened. Yeah. Um, I know. Like early on, like early before it came out, the reviews of it were like mixed. Um, some mixed to positive, some like this is terrible. Um, I even like a couple days before uh, I went to see it, I read some somebody on you know I don't know who it was could just a random person on Twitter uh, just said like, it's only two more days until the world finds out what a giant load of shit the new Indiana Jones movie is. And I was like, oh, damn. Great. <laughs> um, Steve, I really liked this movie. Nice. I really did. Like, genuinely liked this movie. Um, I don't really see... I can see people being like, eh, it's all right. I can't really see people hating this movie. Like, it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> It's better than Crystal Skull, for sure. Um, it is a. I know it had to be said, but that's not really moving the needle. Low like. bar. It's a low bar. You know what? I don't think I said this on the show. I recently rewatched Crystal Skull. First hour of Crystal Skull, I think, pretty solid Indiana Jones movie. Like, there's stuff that doesn't work still. It's not until like after an hour that it starts going off the rails. I think. Yeah. And then the end. No, the, the ending is atrocious. The ending is terrible. Right. Terrible. Yeah, there um, there were some points where you're like, this has the potential to be a decent movie. And yeah. then it just fails on all those accounts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the reason that Crystal Skull doesn't work for me, the second half of Crystal Skull, is because it becomes so uh, uh, CGI heavy. And yeah. particularly good CGI. So it really takes me out of it. There's clearly a ton of CGI in this movie. Um this is one of the most expensive movies ever made. Do you know that? This cost really? almost three hundred almost three hundred million dollars to make this movie. Oh no. I actually saw a report that it uh that was a misreport and the number is actually three hundred and twenty nine. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so definitely one <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was <laughs> reading something this morning where I was like, okay. <laughs> that is that's insane. Oh my god. And I'm laughing. Uh, because 
movie's not not doing well. Right. It's it I think it's made 60 70 million dollars as this weekend. That's yeah. so low. <laughs> for Especially a for a movie that cost that, that much money. Much. Um but like hey like reviews were like meh and it's a franchise starring an 80-year-old man that hasn't had an entry since 2008 and the one before that was in like 1993 like and there hasn't been any other Indiana Jones content in the out there like young people don't care about Indiana Jones that's just true that's just true so yeah. like people like you and me our friends you know we're excited to go see it and talk about it and compare it to the other ones like this is not a thing that Gen Z is excited about at all you know? right I'm sure there's some movie buffs um, that are you know younger that are going but not enough of them because this movie is bombing um and like i said it's not bad it's not bad uh the uh it looks different it doesn't look like a spielberg movie which you knew but you know james mangold's no slouch he knows what he's doing some of the action is i don't know sometimes you can see like oh spielberg would have done less would have looked more grandiose or something like that i don't know um, it didn't really take me out of it. I wasn't thinking like, hmm, well, how would Steven Spielberg shoot that when I was watching it? I was just like enjoying it. Um, you know, so the action, people are saying the action's a little muddy. I can see that, but again, I didn't really notice it. Um, no, but Mangold's always been one to kind of focus more on the, you know, if there's action for it to be tight action compared to the yeah. grandiose. Sure. I mean, yeah. look at That's Logan. True. Yeah. There was a right. lot of action in that movie. Yeah. Up close and personal. Um, I really loved um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, her character. Okay. I thought she was great. I thought the way that they... Um, she's kind of like, in a way, the catalyst for the story of the film, um, which makes it work when you have a main character who is 80 years old in real life. He's like an old man. In the movie, he's an old man. He's an old man in real life. Um, so it's kind of hard to, if you step back, and you and I were making jokes like this when they you know, announced this movie or started filming this movie, like, why is an 80-year-old guy going into a cave <laughs> for any right. reason? You know, like, what is happening here? Um, they do it in a way that made sense for me. It made sense to cover his not cover, but like acknowledge uh, the age of the guy playing this character. Yeah. Um, and not in a way where they like depower him or make him weaker, less intelligent or, you know, nothing like that. Um, I just can't really get into it without like saying too many spoilers. Um, the de-aging on Harrison Ford is really good. It's really good. Nice. Uh, that opening scene, it's probably 20, 25 minutes. Like it's a long opener. It's a long opening action scene. And, you know, Indiana Jones famous for its opening action scenes. And this is a really, this is a good one for sure. But it's lengthy. And yep. he looks like he's 40 the whole time. <laughs> I gotta say, there's a couple times, there were a few times when it looked a little video gamey. But for the most part, it's probably the best de-aging I've ever seen. Especially when you consider the length of time. Like, it's not like Ant-Man where Michael Douglas looks like he's 25 for like two minutes or something. And then... Right. You know, it's out and then it's present day. This is a lengthy scene. Um, I will say one thing. I don't, I don't consider this a spoiler. Uh, you can de-age a face. You cannot de-age a voice. Mm. 
So when he looks like he's 35 or 40 years old and then he starts talking and it is 79 year old Harrison Ford, it doesn't match. And you can tell. And that took that took me out of it a little bit. That was the uh, James Earl Jones doing the Vader and Rebels for me. Yes. Where as soon as I heard, I was like, you see him interacting with Ahsoka and he should be younger. And then you hear James Earl Jones at 90 almost. Maybe when he was doing he's 90 that. now. I don't know if he was when he did that. Right. I think he's 90s now, but yeah. And same with Rogue One, I thought. Right. Um, you could tell. Um, so it took me out of I just like it didn't take me out of the movie, but I noticed it. So like it was enough for me to notice it. I don't know if people that are not looking for it would notice it. But um, but the de-aging itself is very good. Um, the story is really good. Again, I said I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Mads Mikkelsen is great, and he's great in everything. Um, Boyd Holbrook is his little like sidekick guy. Uh, he didn't have a ton to do, but you know he's doing his boy Boyd Holbrook, right? Uh, Being snarky, Boyd Holbrook, intimidating yeah. henchman kind of guy. Um, still, uh, still oh. his best role though was Sandman. Yeah, I forgot he was in Sandman. I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say Logan again, but yeah, Sandman. Oh no, great in Logan. Sandman yeah. was a different level. I agree. I agree. Um, you know who's in this movie that I forgot was in this movie? Antonio Banderas is in this movie. Huh. Um, and now that you say that, I remember it. But <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember talking about it, but completely forgot that one. Yeah. Light spoiler. He's not in it a ton. To the point where I was surprised that he agreed to be in this movie huh. for this role. I was like, that's it? He's gone? <laughs> Do you know <laughs> why, Mike? No, no more? 329 what? million. Yeah. <laughs> Right? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. You got to save some of that money. Or or there are more scenes on the cutting room floor somewhere right. uh, of his character. Um, or he was just like, hell yeah, I'll be an Indiana Jones movie. That would be great. I would um, if I was him. So I get All that right. too. Anyway, he was good. Um, I don't know. I just like this movie a lot. The uh, I will say, wrapping things up, the ending, third act, takes a big swing. It takes a big swing. Okay. Um, and I will I will say, in scope, it's not dissimilar to the size of the swing taken by Indian Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> where at the end, he's standing in an uh, alien spacecraft, um, watching an alien vaporize the mind of Cate uh, Blanchett's character. So... And then they escape that and they watch the flying saucer take off and fly away. Insane. Um, so it's comparable in size, I think, to that swing that they took in Crystal Skull. This worked for me a thousand times better. It still it was still a little weird, but I just went with it. My That's my advice. My advice to anyone who wants to see this movie, just go with it. Just let it happen. Don't fight it. That's just what it is. It's what's happening. Go with it. It works for me because for me... Uh, things like flying saucers, science fiction, future space technology, whatever, that does not fit in Indiana Jones movie. It just doesn't feel like the same. Indiana Jones is an adventure uh, genre, adventure film series. It's not a sci-fi film series. So when you suddenly insert sci-fi elements into Indiana Jones, it just doesn't feel right. Right. This idea more connected to who Indiana Jones is as a person 
Uh, and that's all I will say. So that made it work. That sold it more for me, for sure. Um, so there's a thir- big swing in the third act. The ending of this movie is a great... Um, I found it to be emotional, not like weeping sad, but just like made me really, really happy the way they ended this movie and effectively ended uh, the story of Indiana Jones in general. So um, I want to see it again because I feel like while I was watching it, I was like, this is pretty good. And then thinking about it later, I was like, I think I really love that movie. So I need to see it again now to see if I'm just romanticizing it. Um, but I definitely don't think it's bad. I definitely don't. Right. I I'm, I get why people hate it just because, you know, there's people that don't like, you know, there's people uh, that don't like anything. Doom. Yeah, <laughs> people don't like anything. Anyway, um, but like we said before, all Indiana Jones movies are debatable to some people. Um, and uh, this uh, I think this is a very fitting ending to the character. And I wish it was doing better at the box office. But what are you going to do? Do you plan to see Indy 5? Or try to. I want to see it. Um, yeah. Life with five. I mean, I mean, in the theaters, I assume. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's an indie movie. That's like the way you right. should see it. But yeah. life with a five-year-old is life with a five-year-old. Sure we went is. on a stretch where we saw like six movies in three weeks and now have not seen anything yeah. in like a month. I'm like, okay, cool. That's how that works. Um, hey, tangent real quick, though. I heard a early a very positive early reaction to the ninja turtle oh nice movie so speaking of movies you're bound to see with your son so i was going to bring that up in comics but since you brought up ninja turtles oh uh the the saturday morning cartoon revisited comic series or comic uh minis that they're running yeah absolutely amazing like really i he he's latched onto them and is running with them oh great like the first two issues are out and he's just like yeah this is great. Like, can we, can awesome. we do more Ninja Turtles? I'm like, there's only two out, dude. There's only two out. Yeah. And, and I'm to, not uh, giving him the last Ronin. <laughs> right. No, I'll have to grab him. Uh, we got a free comic book. There's a Turtles free comic book day. Thing yeah. This past year. And I read that with my son and he liked it. He nice. went and he's seen the trailer a couple times. He, but I feel like in a week he went from not saying he doesn't know anything about the Ninja Turtles to being able to name all four of them <laughs> and like their colors. So he's like, he's brushing up, he's boning up nice. before the, before the movie. Uh, as is standard, um, uh, my son's favorite turtle is of course, Michelangelo because well, he's a five-year-old kid and it's the, of course. the, so the way they did this Saturday morning cartoons revisited is in the vein of what we grew up with. Yeah. Of the 89 cartoon. Mm. Um, so it's it's like the over the top pizza cowabunga whole nine. So nice. it's 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 what you're what you remember. That's how you get those kids. Oh, yeah. I get those kids in the door. That's working. And it looks like uh, Seth Rogen knows that, too. With yeah. his new movie coming out. 100 uh, percent. Speaking of new movies coming out, we got a new trailer for Dune Part Two. Dune we Part do. Two sequel to Dune. Um, Second half of the original Dune book. Yes. Yeah, it's just the one book they're covering. I forget. That's right. Yep. So it did. Uh, I, I don't know if it was really widely advertised, but it did come out that Denny Villeneuve is uh, or has acknowledged that they're making it a trilogy and that oh. they are adapting Dune Messiah as the third movie, I which is the second book. Had not known that. After the second know. book, it gets real weird. So, okay. Um, 
it's probably better for the general public that they stop where they do. But yeah. So they took the first book is two movies. Yep. But the second book is going to be one movie. That's what as it sounds that, like. Okay. So as someone who has not read any of them, um, do you think it's appropriate to squeeze the second book into one movie? I don't know, as I've never one. read Messiah. Okay. Oh, you haven't? Okay, nope. I guess I've I only read the first one. So Okay. I've read it multiple times. Novel but... adap- I've only read a graphic novel adaptation of the first quarter of the first book. Nice. More or less. Uh, that was my attempt to get to know the story before the movie came out. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It's like, well, um, I watched the movie and that was fun, so we'll just we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this trailer for Dune Part 2? I thought it made me extremely excited to see Dune Part 2. And nice, yeah. Felt very much in vain with what uh, what we'd gotten in Part 1, as well as what the rest of the book goes into. So it's um, there's going to be a lot more conflict. There's going to be a lot more um, craziness and weirdness. Um, and a lot more Christopher Walken. So yeah, it was, I don't know the last time I saw Christopher Walken in a movie, but he, uh, he still got that presence, man. Oh I'm yeah. Not phoning it in. No. And, and, uh, just the, there's like a shot of his face at first and then he gets like a line later in the trailer and just his face. Oh. I was like, Oh shit. Oh yeah. He is. You could have, yeah. you could have had him not say a single word in that trailer and it just would have been like, okay, he's, he's still got the presence. Yeah, he absolutely did. Just that shot of his face. It's like, oh, I forgot he's in this. Yeah. Holy shit. And he is Emperor Shaddam IV, who is effectively just, I mean, he's he's the emperor. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Cool. I mean, cool. slightly less maniacal over the top, but. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he rules the galaxy. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Dune Part 2. I enjoyed the first movie enough. Yeah. Um, no, it seems not like... Something if I've revisited, but I probably will have to see the second one. Yeah, I would say rewatch it because it still holds up. Yeah. I just did last week, I think. Um, oh, nice. Like, threw it on in the background type thing. And yeah. uh, it really is extremely well done. Yeah. Well, Denny Villeneuve is a great filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen... He's like one of those directors that I would like to sit down and watch all of his stuff because all the stuff I've seen has just knocked me out. It, yeah, at least visually, if not, you know, whole cloth. Yep. Um, but like Blade Runner 2049, I think, is a masterpiece. And uh, Arrival. Seen Arrival? No, I haven't. Oh. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend Arrival. Huge, nice. huge recommendation. So, so good. So good. So he's One like single-handedly reviving sci-fi as a genre. Um, yeah, he's doing a real good job of it, I think. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, mm, Doom Part 2. Um, um, the, like, bringing back the old cast, and I know you were trying to move on, but it's just like, oh, in okay. that trailer, like, the the hits of um, the way Shelmay and Brolin... Like even in the small bit we see of Halleck, like Gurney Halleck and Paul, like reuniting, yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, they've got a bunch of really good actors doing this too. Yeah, I know. And um, who is Florence Pugh is also yep, in this Florence one. Florence Pugh she was added. In the first one. Um, um, Austin, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Butler. The, 
yep, Austin Butler is playing uh, Harkonnen's Elvis. son. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, Elvis is showing up on Arrakis. Um, That'd be great. But he's uh, he's playing, so that gladiatorial scene? Yeah. Um, that's Austin Butler. Oh, okay. So okay. he's the wow. the bald, yeah. Yeah. Like the bald knife oh, wow. fighter. Um, Jeez. That is going, you'll, you'll love that whole plot line in the movie cool so um and that um, whole also, uh, the the home world of the harkonnens seems like it's going to be uh very interesting how it's filmed and it's all like black and white yeah, like and black and yeah. white yeah it looked really great it's that's going to be great yeah um and uh oh i just thought of the I thought there was another actor that and oh just more of Zendaya is what oh, I'm yeah. saying like because she's like seen as a vision in the first one like twice and maybe she has a line at the very end but right um, she seemed like she has a lot to do in this like she's like fiercely screaming uh, her lines like passionately I don't know it's just oh, yeah. like she seems like they're it doesn't seem like they're wasting her um, in this at all no absolutely not and yeah the way like yeah the the whole Chani and Paul thing is gonna get uh, developed like like i said at the beginning this whole uh, everything that was a setup in part one is going to get ramped to 11 in part two it's gonna get paid off good yeah so awesome it's gonna be fun cool uh comes out this fall am i right november yep i think november awesome um something that's not coming out in november and is not coming out for a long time fantastic four <laughs> um uh our pal jeff snyder uh, reporting on um, unconfirmed unconfirmed reports, shall we say, that Adam Driver, somebody that has been rumored to be in talks, rumored to have been offered the role of Mr. Fantastic, uh, his name has been connected to the for Mr. Fantastic for a really long time. Like, I feel like a lot of other yeah. people come and go for other characters, but, like, his, he's been pretty consistent. Um, uh, I mean... This comes after we've had we've heard interviews of Bob Iger talking about how Disney's going to stop spending so much money and they're not going to just be like throwing money at Marvel and Star Wars anymore. They're just going to, you know, they, they have to make something good. They're not going to green light anything until it's really good. They're tightening their belts. Think of all of this. It has, it's it's seemingly it might be the case that Adam Driver is, may not be attached to the role anymore of Mr. Fantastic and may have priced himself out asking for too much money um, that Disney may not be looking for big names anymore because they don't want to shell out the money for big names. So they might be uh, going for maybe a lesser known or someone that's not quite on the same level as Adam driver. Although it's not like Adam driver is a huge box office draw other than being in star Wars. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're saying this might be similar to what happened with Emma Stone. We heard that Emma Stone um, was offered. They want or they wanted Emma Stone to be Sue Storm and that she was too expensive. So um, I don't know. I don't know. This is uh, this has been going on a long time. It's weird. Yeah, I don't think they should have announced this movie. I think they should have kept holding off on this movie because there's just been yeah. so many yeah. expectations are growing. It, it, yeah, it's going to be hard for this movie to like please fans, I think, in like a growing expectations, growing fan hostility, <laughs> like, you know, all over the place. It's going to be interesting. 
when this news finally drops. Yeah, this whole this whole saga is like uh, we've had a couple of different movies where we've gone back and forth on casting and hearing it's going and then not going and then going and then not going and it's like yeah it's it's one thing for a blade it's another thing for fantastic four fantastic four yeah like they've had what three directors at this point i think so yeah yeah and that sounds right a plethora of various actors connected to it so what are you doing i don't know i i saw someone i shared it with you i i saw somebody on twitter say um, Superman Legacy was announced, you know, less than six months ago and already has its two leads. Fantastic Four was announced two years ago and we don't know who's playing them. Like, yeah, <laughs> what is going on? And, you know, obviously, like the two companies are in different places. James Gunn is the new president of his own film studio and he wrote a Superman movie and he's in charge of casting. So, you know, it's easier um, over <laughs> yeah. the Marvel. I mean, Kevin Feige's got a lot to say, but I feel like there's other levels of, um, you know, he's not the, he's not necessarily the, oh, is he? I guess. I feel like he makes a lot of top decisions like that. Like, there's tons of directors that come onto Marvel movies without knowing who their cast is going to be. Um, but anyway, like, there's Kevin Feige, there's the directors, there's producers, you know, and, and Marvel, there's a lot of pressure on Fantastic Four. There's been t- two versions of Fantastic Four that haven't done well, so they need to do it right. They need to take their time, and that part, big part of that is casting. Oh, there's three. So, do you remember the '90s? Oh well, that never actually came out. The Roger Corman one. Yeah. So bad, they didn't release it. Yeah. Fantastic Four movie that was made in the '90s. There's stills online. Check it out. They're rough looking. Real bad. <laughs> rough looking. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Marvel's kind of like. I don't know. It, it, it's is. The pressure on Marvel to announce either a Fantastic Four or an X-Men project um, after they bought 20th Century Fox was insane. They still haven't said anything about X-Men, so I feel like they probably could have just told us, like, it's going to be a while. So sit tight. Right. You know, um, but I felt like they they I feel like they felt like they had to give us something. They were closer on Fantastic Four. They announced it. But I don't know. Now all this like there's going to be so much. Ah, there's going to be so much uproar if they, they don't like the pe- fans don't like the cast or then by the time the movie comes out, who knows? I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. They just they have to get it right. And it's a hard needle to thread. Oh, yeah. When they already whiffed it a couple times. Yeah, they're going to have they're going to have a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't know. It's like like you said, why would they why would they push this as hard as they did if they don't have any direction for it? Yeah, like, I mean, who's, who's maybe they thought they did. Like, as the who's the director right now? Uh, the is guy it, that did. Um, is it the guy that did WandaVision? Matt Shackman. Yes, that, that sounds. Who, right. Oh no, or, no it, he's he's writing. I don't remember. John Watts left. It was going to be John Watts, and he left. Huh. Well, it was going to be John Watts, and then um, who the hell else was? There was somebody else in the interim that they had tossed at it. And then I think it's the guy that I think it's this Matt Shackman guy. Yeah, it might be. But I'm either way, it yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> this is great podcasting right now. Yeah. Great podcasting. Hey, oh. it could be worse. It could be the Josh Trank version. 
That's true. Which um, you know, no, no, uh, no shade on Josh Trank, but that was that was bad. The first half of that movie is not bad. No, no. And then it's like they give, they give you a one year later, and then it's just it's it, total. Dog it shit. crystal skulls the hell out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're gonna turn that into um, a verb now. Yeah, I think in general, I would love to get away from studios. I guess I'm talking mostly about Marvel, but I mean, DC had did had a big problem with this before they were even off the ground and they shot themselves in the foot. But uh, I, I'm kind of getting tired of the, you know, three years from now, we're going to make this movie and four years from now, we're going to make the, you know, like, I don't need you to tell me your next 10 movies. Like, tell me your next three. Right. <laughs> and so I'll, and I'll get excited about Give those. Me next year. Tell me another Give me two three. years, maybe. Yeah. Like, because like we're like we're getting exhausted by the Fantastic Four and we haven't even seen them yet. We don't know who they are. We don't know about it besides one like a logo that we got a year and a half ago or two years ago or whatever. That was literally a four. Yeah, and it's not even that impressive. Right, <laughs> like that's all it is. I mean, yes, that's, that's the is. Fantastic Four's logo, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wild. Anyway, so uh, we'll see what happens there. We got one uh, comic story, Marvel has announced a new White Widow limited series, a four-issue limited series from uh, writer Sarah Gailey and artist Alessandro Miracolo. The series is described as a groundbreaking new chapter in the life of one of Marvel's most enigmatic... Enigmatic? How, Just go with it, man. How you say that name. Just go with it. <laughs> enigmatic superheroes. Super spy, rogue agent, shadow of the Black Widow. Yelena Belova has been many things, but striking out as a hero in her own right is new to her. Now that she's finally free to choose her own path, who will she become? Uh, yeah, White Widow, uh, Florence Pugh's character, sister of Natasha Romanov, or Natalia Romanova, whether you're right. a comics reader or a movie watcher. Um, Elena was created by Devin Grayson and J.G. Jones in 1999, but didn't start calling herself the White Widow until Kelly Thompson's run on Black Widow in 2021. I did not realize that. I yeah. thought she was the White Widow for a lot longer than that. No, and that was Kelly Thompson's Eisner winning run. That's right. Yeah, which I should really pick up. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually the other day. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Oh, it was, uh, I was reading something about Thunderbolts that got me on Belova, and then I was like, oh yeah, I should probably pick up that Thompson run. I know. I have a couple issues of it, and it's great, but I would love to read the whole thing. Yep. And uh, it's Kelly Thompson and her whole team that was think was on Black, or, I don't know, uh, uh, she's the one that's doing the new Birds of Prey run yep. at DC, too. So, Yeah, awesome. she's great. Agreed. Um, this week in your local comic book store, we got Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number five, Barnstormers, number one, Captain America, 750. I think that's the start of a new run. And they're back to the old numbering. Uh, Daredevil number 13. Doctor Who Doom number one. Draculina Blood Simple number four. Extreme Venomverse number four. Fantastic Four number nine. Gargoyles number seven. Heat Seeker Gun Honey series one. Junk Rabbit number four. Oh, Night Terrors. DC is launching this new event called Night Terrors. And they're all uh, horror stories. Oh, I don't know if they cross over. Awesome. I think there's a crossover thing, but... It's like, I don't know, look at some of the artwork for it. It's all insane. They're really leaning into the horror aspect of it. Um, they're going above and beyond. So a bunch of Night Terror uh, issues dropped this week, including Night Terror's Batman, Night Terror's Black Adam, Night Terror's First Blood, 
Night Terror's Joker, Night Terror's Poison Ivy, and Night Terror's Ravager. Um, and that's going to be kind of an ongoing event. Uh, Kong, The Great War, number two. Love Everlasting, number nine. Peacemaker Tries Hard, number three. I love this book. Pop Scars, number four. Uh, Spawn, number 343. Star Trek Defiant, number five. Star Wars 36. Star Wars Yoda, number nine. The Pink Elephant, number one. Weird Work, number one. X-Men, number 24. And X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister Four, number one. Hmm. Lots of books in your local comic book store this week. Steve, uh, I know I said it, but I uh, really love that Peacemaker book. It's way better than I ever thought it would be. It just feels like more of the show, and it makes me want to rewatch the show. Um, I would highly recommend the people that uh, that are fans of that show, if they want more of it, and you're not, you don't want to wait till 2026 for Peacemaker Season 2, uh, pick up Peacemaker Tries Hard. The first two issues are out now, and issue three comes out this week well worth it i still forget how good that show was i know i got i think i'm gonna rewatch it yeah that's that like great eight episodes and it's great it was great yeah um any of these on your pull list or uh any other comic related readings you'd like to report nothing on the pull list although doctor who doom just confuses the hell out of my brain i know i almost read it weird yeah <laughs> yeah when it, yeah like doctor doom who um <laughs> so yeah no I, oh yeah daredevil's still on my poll so nice. uh, i will be getting at least one book this week um did catch up on the darth vader black white and blood uh or black white and red or whatever they call oh, it yeah. for his... i picked it up I, ha- I picked it up i haven't read it yet yep um it's great like the those little micro anthology ish whatever they want to whatever yeah. they want to call it are always fun um agreed did catch up on uh yoda as well so i guess that's getting pulled so yeah i'm I'm just completely lying to you and there's at least two <laughs> things on my pull list um yeah what the hell was the name of the james tinian put out a book for dark horse last week i got it um but again i haven't read it yet the it's something curious life something of, curious or, something the something life of uh christopher chaos and it was like the opposite word of to, uh, an opposite word to chaos. The unthinkable. Oddly pedestrian. Um, oddly pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. I picked it up. Um, looks looks, yeah, fun- look, looks good. I don't know. It does. Funky Town said they got a bunch of that book and I got the second to last one when I was in there like Thursday or oh, <laughs> Friday wow. or something like. Yeah. I mean, um, Tinian's really name is just it, it'll sell anything at this point. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Did I? Oh, I also got I got um, the second issue of Brave and the Bold. But oh, I nice. Able to really sit down and read yet. Um, but uh, oh, yeah, I did make no, it through, we were out of town uh, this weekend, so I didn't have a ton of time to read. But um, reread some of the One Bad Days, the Clayface mm. and um, Catwoman. Oh, cool. So yeah, those are good. Clayface still holds up. Yeah, Clayface is great. Cool, Can't one cool, up too, cool. All of those were yeah. great. Uh, yeah, they just came out in hardcovers. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I think you can get like a one full volume of all of them, or you can get like hard covers of each individual issue in like a cool, oh, nice kind of box thing. Yeah, pretty cool. 
Um, we got one one shot for you tonight, and this is just an update on the Spawn movie that they announced freaking years ago at this point. 2018 or 19 or something. It was like a really long time ago. Um, and that, uh, that movie's coming from the theater, uh, theater, um, studio, Blumhouse, known for its, uh, terrifying horror movies. Jason Blum, owner of Blumhouse, says that he's expecting a new Spawn movie could hit theaters in 2025. Said what we, what needs to happen is that my fellow friends, the writers and the studios need to figure out their differences and get back to writing. But we've got a great group of folks putting it together. And my hope is that the movie, my prediction is maybe we'll actually see a Spawn movie in 25. No promises, but that's my prediction. So as uh, a Spawn movie that was originally going to be written and directed by Todd McFarlane, starring Jamie Foxx. I believe Jamie Foxx is still attached to play the title role. I'm not sure. I think McFarlane may be still writing it. I don't know that he's going to direct it. I think it would be a mistake for him to direct it. Because he's not a director, right. but um, uh, still very interested to see what this ends up looking like, especially if Jamie Foxx is still attached to a character who classically doesn't really talk really that much. Yeah. Just looks cool. And also wears a mask, mask covering his face. <laughs> right. So. Which means you'll inherently get the secret invasion treatment where we're paying these actors a lot of money. We're going to show their face. So yeah. I don't know if you noticed right. that. Uh, during and it's not not really spoilers for anything, but it, I don't know if you noticed during Secret Invasion, um, mm-hmm. a lot of them are in human guys much more than oh, yeah <laughs> yeah than they you, probably ben should Mendelsohn, be specifically yeah we're yeah exactly like uh, Talos you are alone in a room with Nick Fury right now you can relax yeah. <laughs> if you want to uh, no yeah we're paying Ben Mendelsohn. We're going to see Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. yeah. And um, same with What's-Her-Face, too. Amelia Kira. Clark. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, so, yeah. Sorry, not like, Kira. Gaia. Gaia, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, those are two similar names in two different universes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they might. Uh, similar. I think they did in the first Spawn movie they made that's bad came out in the 90s i believe they did a similar thing where they found reasons for him to take his mask off all the time but um i guess you know what i don't i don't i haven't read a ton of spawn comics so i can't really say that um what would be accurate and what wouldn't be accurate i'm kind of talking about out of both sides of my mouth here so i don't know, I don't Wait, know. michael j white played spawn. spawn he sure did wow how did i miss that out of it John, I got a, that, uh, wow, I got John, John Leguizamo, Martin Sheen. Yeah, it's Teresa a good cast. Randall, D.B. Sweeney. Well, um, I got free passes to see a screening of uh, movie Spawn when it came out in 1996 or whenever it was. I went with a friend of mine. Um, and I think at that time, I loved it. But uh, clearly looking back on it now, it's terrible. Um, although John Leguizamo, I think, well, he's great in everything. But I remember him being terrifying as the villain and it was the first like it was one of the first uh you know they started using like computer graphics for effects and stuff um and they used like the cape the uh, was all cg and that was like a big deal at the time now i'm sure it looks like talk shows. Oh, it probably looks horrible <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway that's spawn i think that's all i got you got anything else steve no i got nothing else no, neither. 
I had a big weekend. Took my son to Legoland. Got back today. Very nice. Yeah. 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 Took my son fishing a couple of times. He caught a lot go. of fish. We're good to go. Nice. That's all I, that matters. Um, uh, just to, to end this on a further nerdy note, I've been reading uh, my son, or my wife and I have been taking turns reading my son The Hobbit uh, for the first time. We just started it recently. Um, but tonight, we got to the beginning. There it is. I literally had pulled it out debating whether or not I was going to start reading it to Sebastian. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I thought about it. Yeah, I just I, I waited a little extra time because I, I wanted to make sure he would be uh, into it. Um, and he is. And I just uh, had the honor of reading the first page of Chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark, to him tonight, in which Bilbo finds the one ring nice. on the floor of a cave. And I was like, ooh, what's this ring doing here? Hmm, weird. Like, definitely overselling it don't forget about that ring that's gonna come into play later <laughs> you may need to cool. know this yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> this may set up all of your nerddom enjoy <laughs> yeah yep cool cool that's all i got let's wrap this up so i can go to bed okay Oh, wait, that's not how we do it. All right. Well, in that case, uh, you guys should. It would have been great, though, if that was just the end. Hard of the cut. Like, okay. Hard cut <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that controls that. I could have very easily done you that. Could. You still can. I you could. Cut all this right now. But instead, I'm going to uh, ask people to like and subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts if you could. Uh, leave some comments on YouTube. Do whatever you do. Uh, you know, subscribe there. Um, Notify. Click the the bell for notifications. I think it's a bell still. I don't know. I think it's a bell. Yeah. Um, they change they change these platforms so much as we can see from the Twitter uh, falling through the dumpster. Um, Jesus, I know. So we're uh, I guess primarily an Instagram podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess so. The Multiverse Report on Instagram and various other socials. Um, hopefully, Blue Sky at some point. We'll see. A, we'll we'll see when that happens. Um, Give us an invite if yeah, you have one. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, beyond that, the multiverseport.com, multiverseport at gmail.com if you want to get hold of us. That's right. So uh, until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.